Everybody. Welcome back to Shining Pod, the first ever Shining Force podcast. Um, we are a five-star podcast with incredible people involved, and um, our viewership has increased by probably over 100% since we started. Um, Fantastic. <laughs> so with, uh, with stats like that, uh, we're flying high over here at Shining Pod. Uh, so joining me today are Jeremy and Justin. Fantastic. Hey, Great going? to be here. <laughs> All right, so today we are talking about um, the first part of Shining Force CD, which I can't quite remember the name of it. I think it's called The Bitter Root of Evil, or is that what it is? I have no idea, actually. Yeah, it has a weird name. It's like yeah, The Root it's, um... of Evil or something. I think we learned it up at some point. Yeah, there's a tree analogy tied to the title that doesn't particularly matter. Let's see if I can pull it up quick. That's what I was trying to do, too. Towards the root of evil. Ah, you're right. Yeah. <clears throat> Rate and subscribe for, for my ability to get semi-close to what the title of these games are. It's undervalued. I'm sure that the... I don't know that this, the Game Gear version, which was the original version of this game, I don't know that it had that subtitle. Um, I don't think I see it on the box art. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was just Shining Force Gaiden and then Gaiden yes, 2. exactly. Yeah. And then Final Conflict. Yeah, I'm looking at and the covers what now. What does Gaiden mean for those out there who don't know that term? You got me. Oh, side <laughs> story. Oh, go. Yeah. I yeah. basically is, is somewhat equivalent to the English term side story. So uh, here's this uh, spinoff, basically. Which which is like, I mean, once once we dig into it a little bit more, obviously we, we all have lots to say, but um, it's interesting that this is a side story uh, when it's l like literally a timeline sequel to Shining Force 1. Yeah, immediate sequel. It's it's an immediate sequel, far more than Shining Force Two actually is. Oh, um, so it's super interesting to note that. Well, in addition to that, did you realize that both of the Game Gear, the first two Game Gear games, Gaiden and Gaiden Two, both were released in Japan before Shining Force Two was. Oh, I didn't realize that. Mm hmm. Yeah, I caught that one a few days ago when I was getting ready for this. And I thought, boy, I didn't realize. If you go by just the Japanese release dates, Shining Force, your first one was March of 92. Gaiden was only in December of 92. Oh, wow. Sword of Hajia, which is the second Gaiden, was June of 93. And Shining Force 2 was October of 93. So in Japan, they got both Game Gear games between Shining Force 1 and Shining Force 2. I could not imagine building this much content in like five months right <laughs> that's that's insane I, think, I mean granted i think like the the game gear versions are like nowhere near the graphical quality and sound quality etc of the sega cd kind of remakes 
Um, but I, I mean, even still, just in terms of like writing, programming, etc., they couldn't just take the Shining Force engine and jam it on Game Gear. No, no, because the Game Gear, I mean, they, this was all done in assembly language. Uh, the Game Gear would have been a Zilog Z80, and I'm pretty sure the Genesis main CPU was a Motorola 68K, so they had to port this. Yeah. Well, and then there were so many, I mean, there's tons of changes graphics-wise between the main Shining Force games and even CD and how the Gaiden games worked on Game Gear because uh, you strip out icons, you strip yeah. out... Unfortunately. Um, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you strip out a lot of stuff in favor for just short, plain text, um, and that's a that's a pretty major change. Mm -hmm. mm. So I feel like knowing that it was released in between one and two, I would have preferred it actually to to have the the first two, um, the Root of Evil and sort of Hagia, and then Shining Force two, and then give me Final Conflict. Yeah, I feel like as the playing order goes, that's kind of how I would want to do it, just so yeah. I can keep and that's following exactly what, what I got in Japan. the first game. Yeah, they get yeah. everything better than we do. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's just because games were made over there. Oh, and still are made over there. Um, but I, I mean, at this day and age, I can't, I can't wrap my head around some of the amazing stuff that we still just don't get. Um, it's it's. It's mind blowing. Thankfully, we're we're finally starting to get some some major titles like Trials of Mana, um, which I am beyond excited about. But um, yeah, in terms of Shining Force, I would really have preferred Shining Force Gaiden to be uh, almost like a Shining Force two, you know, two point one, and yeah. then or or something like that, or even just Shining Force two, and then do. Uh, Gaiden 2 as Shining Force 3 and have 2 be Shining Force 4. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, here's what here's a question. Okay. Uh, did anybody here or does anybody here actually have a Game Gear? I still do. Do you? Did you I have don't... one when it was new? Oh yeah. Oh, I played wow. I played uh, Sword of Hajaya the day it came out. Oh, that's fantastic. I can't say I did that. Yeah, what my 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 brother gets credit for all of that. He was the the like super gamer that would pick up all the magazines and read about all these games well before they came out. So he'd go to Babbage's and reserve them and then we'd go and pick them up and I'd sit on the couch and watch wow. him play for like two weeks before I was allowed to play anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I like, I was fortunate enough um, to, to like literally be in the position where I played, I played all of these games as soon as they came out. Shining Force CD day it came out um shining force 3 the day it came out like just all all of these games all of these retro classics uh i really got to experience at release that's which, cool which was really cool i can say that for shining force 1 and 2 um but nobody that i knew i i may have known one or two people that had a game gear but they couldn't afford the batteries to keep playing it <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we had uh we had two or three of them because my my mom loved to play columns. Oh, I think, I think she picked one up at some point. Um, I still have one. I cannot guarantee that it works. I want to say I do, I know I don't have a cart of Sword of Hajaya, but I do have a cart. I think of Defenders of Oasis. Oh, that's cool. Uh, which is a great 
uh, Game Gear RPG. And then I want to say I have like Chuck Rock and something else. Uh, real classics from, from back in the day. But we also had uh, in, in the family, we had three Nomads because by the time really? Nomad came out, my sister was into Genesis games, my little sister. Um, and we were not a family that was designed on sharing, um, <laughs> unfortunately for my parents. And so, yeah, I mean, we just like my brother would would always be the first to get whatever system and then we'd kind of play it whenever we were allowed to. And then the next birthday or Christmas that rolled around the next, you know, I would get a, you know, a Genesis or a Nomad or whatever. Um, and man, let me tell you about the experience of road trips with an with three nomads in the car and and all three of us every hour rolling down the windows and popping the six double a battery pack off of the back of the nomad to hold it out the window at high velocity to try and cool it enough to play for another <laughs> another little while because i mean it just it didn't even eat batteries it just melted them you could not play the nomad for more so than an hour the nomad was worse than the than the game gear yeah, because the Nomad was a portable oh, wow. Genesis. <laughs> yeah, it was, right. Because the Game Gear was basically a portable Master System. Yeah. And the, the Nomad was the portable Genesis. Because you could chuck a Genesis cartridge into it. Yep. Yeah, we did that all the time. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, batteries batteries out the out the window for, I mean, cumulative hours. <laughs> Classic. Oh, I love it. <laughs> So, Jeremy, how did you, what was your first time playing this game? This would have been Shining Force CD the day it came out. Um, mm -hmm. Let's, once again, I have to refer to my friend James, um, those two friends that I'd played Shining Force with um, since the early Genesis days. James was the only one of the three of us that ever got a Sega CD. Um, I think Jeff and I were pretty skeptical of where it was going to go, and we just decided it wasn't worth the money. But there were just a few things on there that he was really interested in. So he got it. And then Shining Force CD came out. And when I, I and, and that was when I went, oh, crap. Yep. <laughs> yep. And so I was completely unaware that there had ever been any Game Gear Shining Force games made. Or if I wasn't completely unaware, I was only dimly aware because I just didn't care about the Game Gear. Yeah. So when Shining Force CD came out, I thought it was brand new. <laughs> I had no idea that it was just an enhanced remake of the Game Gear games. Okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, obviously, Justin and Jeremy know this, but I couldn't find a non-Japanese version of this game to save my life. And then eventually, <laughs> like two weeks ago, their combined brain power and my fumbling clicking finally got something <laughs> to work. So I've only put... I've known about this game for a long time, but I've only actually played it the last two, three weeks. How far have you gotten? I, I've fin basically finished. Oh, I, okay. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, so, so I've got to hear your impressions on this. Since it's totally new, I think you need to get the floor here so we can hear what you think playing it just in the last few weeks. Yeah, I agree. All right, so I thought this game was really, really cool. And I felt like there was, a, like... I've been trying to find the exact word for this. Like, there's character optimism. It feels like every character in this game has the capacity to be good. Uh-huh. If you work on them properly. In I know exactly games, what you mean. 
in other games, it feels like it's very defeating to work with Blue or Hans or uh, Claude from Shining Force 2. In this game, it feels like you could go any direction because all the characters have manageable stats. Yeah. And that was probably the thing that stuck out the most. Like, obviously, Cray was one of the best characters in the game. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, by a, like, a long shot, and it wasn't, like, close. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to tangle with Cray. Especially <laughs> the, with the one eye. I know, that's like <laughs> one of the cooler character designs in, in this game. And it, it felt like some of that optimism went away towards the end when you get like Gates and Guyan and Cashing. Like those characters seem like they don't have that, that much value to them at that point. But you have your other characters so high up by then you don't even need them. They're just kind of filling a spot. Yeah, I was going to say they, they probably suffer from the the detriment of, you know, you, you getting them so close to the end that it would really take a lot of time out of you progressing to the end of the game to spend enough time to, to really, like, farm them and, and get them to probably the, the high power levels that they can achieve. But you don't need to because you already have... Um, allies that you've been working on for the whole game that you're used to that are already super strong mm -hmm. I, I would totally agree with that because i thought like after the first like 10 characters that you get like you didn't need anybody else <laughs> like cray could like defeat the like the final round creatures like on his own with one attack like yeah i had that with like, both Trey and stock oh i love stock yeah, Stock's really good. Stock was a monster. It was, it was everything I had. It took everything I had to keep him from killing everything. <laughs> I liked the other archer also. Shade. Shade. Yeah. That was really good, too. Yeah, Shade's really good. One thing to keep in mind, there are only 19 characters in this game, and a few of them are secret characters. So... Very easy to miss if you simply don't know about them or you just happen by accident to look in the right place. There's there's no real hints to guide you to them. So really, there are about 17 characters that are are almost unavoidable or you have to get. Mm -hmm. And you have to pick 12 of those, which means every player is really only going to leave five or five to seven on the bench. And that also means that most of us are going to be using the same army. Is it, is it 12 in active combat? I thought it was 10. Huh? Could I be wrong about that? I can pull up my emulator version of it real quick and check. I'm, I'm fairly... It's 12. It's no, it's 12? 12. Mm -hmm. It is 12? Okay. God, that's so many. Yeah, it's 12. Huh. I think it's always been 12 in Shining Force. I feel like... Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I, don't, so, I I guess, yeah, I guess I never I never really thought about it until I got to the point where I got a new character and they suddenly weren't in my party and I had to go adjust for that. And that happens fairly late in the game. Yeah, I think it happens with Gaian. It's after Yisha. I believe so, so too. Yeah. Oh, I loved Yisha. Yeah, Yisha's great. <laughs> that, she was an amazing character. Um, so, so I have to ask, um, did you get Domingo and Amigo 
Um, as all our wonderful listeners know, there was no chance in heck that I was going to get any secret characters <laughs> in, oh. in any, any of these games across all time. I was a little disappointed when I learned that Domingo is a, was a secret character in this game and that he has a sister or like an aunt or something. Yeah, that's Amigo. Yeah, oh God, Amigo's Amigo. so great. So I was really, really disappointed when I missed that. And I was oh. really excited when I got Lug, but I felt like he was such a low level and he didn't help too much by the time you get him. He is, but at the same time, you, you have no choice but to mark out. Just, there he is. The guy that you had in your army for who knows how long in Shining Force 1, it, you know, it's taking you back there. Oh, I yeah. love that. That was a great moment. There's no way he's not going to be on my team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like he didn't have much value. <laughs> I think he has to be, doesn't he? Uh, oh, I don't know. I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't remember if you he's have required or not. I, I, if you lose that flight, you do go back to base, and I think you can take him out. Oh, okay. Sure, so that's sure why mm. you want to be. Um, quick, quick aside uh, in, in regards to required characters. Uh, Jeremy, do you require at various points during the Ballad of Thuriana, do you do you require particular units to be in the party? I think that that's going to be the case on occasion. But uh, it's not going to be the rule. I mean, aside from Thuriana herself, yeah. I think and even she won't be a required character for at first. That there's a little there's a little tidbit for you. Oh, interesting. It doesn't it doesn't work uh, exactly the same as Shining Force games. Um, but I think there are going to be occasions where one character may be required, um, or one character may not be required. But if if you uh, have them in your in your party. Um, in ogre battle style, you may unlock something with some sort of an in-battle conversation or confrontation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That feels okay. like a like a decent-sized spoiler for Ballad of Thuriana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Shining Pod is now breaking news about upcoming video games, so... That's be fair. Sure, you heard be sure it here rate, first. Exactly. Be sure to rate and subscribe to keep, to keep up with all the spoilers we'll be dropping in the next couple of episodes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I... I so Arnon is pretty much the only required character in the majority of War of Alana. Um, but there's a couple of parts where, like, uh, like in Chapter 3, you go to this big magic city and you you kind of have to go to a part in the magic city that you need a guide for. Um, so one of, the, uh, one of the wizards is assigned to, like, lead your party around. Uh, and so he becomes required in your party for the majority of the events in that city just because like, he literally is your guide. Oh, okay. um, so I, I, I wanted it to feel like him being in your party, uh, you know, was was something you basically didn't have control over uh, because he's going to be leading your party whether whether or not he's in battle. I, I felt like it was more congruent to have him actively, in, you know, in battle fighting with you. Okay. So does the wizard, well, I guess this is maybe two questions. Does the wizard have like an Idris spell then, or do you not have that incorporated in your game? Um, so so uh, saying that he's a required character means that he's a required character in addition to Arnon. Arnon's oh, still there. Arnon's gotcha. there all the time. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, okay. 
and I so I built I built War of Alana with basically an egress spell. Um, it's a it's like a wind relic that you have as an item. Uh, so you can actually move it to any character that you want, uh, which is Very smart. So it's smart because um, if if Arnon dies and you have three turns to revive him, but he has the windstone, you can't get out of that battle. <laughs> so it would actually <laughs> oh, be smarter. Cool. It would actually be smarter for you to like throw it on one of your tanks and then just go through the turn order until it's your tank's turn and use it because um, you're way safer that way. So you don't. Uh, the battle's not automatically over when Arnon's gone, right? I use uh, Final Fantasy Tactics rules. Okay. The, the characters go into a fallen state, which is yeah. like a, a tombstone, and then you have three turns to revive them, or the tombstone crumbles. In Arnon's case, that will uh, kind of pop up the you know Arnon has fallen in battle and the sad music, and then you can press a button and it'll teleport you back to, or just kind of reset you back to. Uh, to to town or to the maybe the last save statue i don't remember mm -hmm. um but in other characters case uh if their tombstone crumbles they're just removed from the battle a la shining force and then you can go and pray for them to return um at one of the goddess statues and then and then they're you know they're back in the party as if you had gone and paid some priest to to <laughs> revive them. <laughs> I love the indulgences. <laughs> yeah. Of course. <laughs> with, um, with, with War of Valana being very statue-based, there's little statues of, of the goddess Valana like all around uh, in different sizes. Um, and that's where you save. That's where you pray to return your allies. Um, there might be a couple other features that I add to the statue. Um, but it didn't feel like it made any sense for you to just like throw money at this in inanimate object to, to like return your, your characters. <laughs> like a vending so, machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, so it, it is definitely less, um, less of a penalty to lose someone because they're, you know, there's no, there's no gold requirement to get them back. Um, but depending on who you lose and depending on the battle, it, it could, it could really screw you over. Um, so and and I mean a lot of this, all this stuff will get balanced later once the game's fully built, and I'm doing playthroughs every other week and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, be interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited for very, whenever that happens. <laughs> very cool, something to look forward to. So, what other characters did you like in this in this ver this version of Shining Force? Which ones really stood out as something special? Well, it's a little bit different for this, the, the most recent uh, playthrough. Um, the first time I played through was, oh, well, what year was Shining Force CD released? You know, sometime in the mid-90s. Um, and I used just whichever characters were working well. And until the till late in the game, uh, when we came across characters like Guyan and Cashing, and I just really didn't do much with them. Uh, and so I just used whatever characters they were. I, I kind of liked them all. But now I've got, I look at things a little bit differently, and I have a few more favorites. Um, number one, I have to mention, is Wendy. Because yeah. that's my wife's name, 
and she has red hair and my wife doesn't have hair that red, but they're still, it's, it's an Auburn color. And so I've, I've got a little thing for Wendy. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, Cray not having the one eye is just too cool. It definitely I, I sets him apart. immediately. It just made him look so like his nose looks broken. He's missing an eye. Like this is some guy that's seen some shit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I also I also think it was interesting uh, when you get Mayfair that uh, Mayfair's blind. Yeah. For the whole game, and and I think to date she's the only blind Shining Force character. Really. Uh... Yeah. I don't think anyone else is blind that I can think of. Isn't Odd Eye blind? Mm. Yeah, he is, but he's not yeah, in the party. But true. true. But also, isn't he only blind when he's Oddler? Oh. I'm pretty sure he's not blind. Re- uh, we might have to refresh our memories on that one. I don't actually remember. We yeah. might have to table that for our Gaiden final conflict episode. <laughs> ah. plays a part in that. Spoilers for a game that's like 25 years old. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think uh, it was it was really cool having some of the the offspring of the Shining Force characters. So, you know, Shade got the son of Hans. Sig, you've got the son of Gong. I, and Wendy's related to, to Tao somehow. Apis is, isn't he related to, he's, he's son of Ken, right? Yeah, son of Ken. So those are all pretty cool, too. Uh, Roos is the son of Luke, mistranslated oh, yeah, yeah. to, to Lug. <laughs> um, so that's that's also pretty cool. Yes, it is. And then, um, yeah, I, I want to say Wendy is related to Tao, and that Tao and Wendy and Diane are all sisters or something. That there was di- there was there was discussion in the Shining Force Discord about this relation. I know that Tao and Diane are sisters. Yeah, that's that's confirmed in some like Japanese thing that was put up for Shining Force that those two are sisters, and it's just never talked about. Um, and I don't remember if Wendy was a younger sister or if she was like a daughter or a niece. But I'm pretty sure she was in that kind of red hair elf family. Yeah, I I I think you're right on that one. No kidding. The world seems so small now. <laughs> <laughs> so who does who stood out to you then, Daniel? Uh, so we talked about a lot of them. Uh, what what did you guys think of Nick? I don't know. Yeah, I... The mysterious guy. Ooh, who is he? He's going to show up <laughs> and lead our force, even though we don't know a thing about him. And yeah. like his, like, his weird-ass uncle. <laughs> Like one of the three stooges. Oh yeah, because um, once you get to the harbor, it's yeah. like, oh, that's Nick. He's like the prince of such and such. Yep. And um, I, I think I think first time playing it, I was I was pretty like, holy crap, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but now it's just like, okay, whatever. My uncle's a douche. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it wasn't quite the uh, it wasn't quite the twist that uh, that Max's story was in the first one. I think they were kind of trying to replicate that, and it didn't work as well. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. Did you guys leave him named Nick, or did you give him like an auto name, a uh, self chosen name rather? I left I typ- it default. Yeah, I typically never rename 
characters in anything because no matter what I name them, I'm probably just going to think about them and refer to them as their actual name. Uh, I guess the, 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 the one exception to this is Secret of Mana because you don't, unless you know their names, they don't have default names. Yeah. So you just name them whatever and that's the same way. Yeah. And that's, that's just what you, you know them by. And so I've played many playthroughs of Secret of Mana with just absolutely absurd names for for the characters. Um, And I, until the HD remake, I actually didn't know their names. I didn't know that, um, well, Actually, I don't. I don't know that their their names were confirmed before that. I don't uh, know them. Uh, so the the boy is Randy with an I. Okay, now wait a minute. Hold on. It's now that sounds familiar, and I feel like I knew that a long. I, I read that a long time ago. Yeah, it's it's totally possible that it was like in the player's guide or something. I was gonna say, but it was in the manual. Yeah. Uh, so it's Randy, Prem, and Popoy. Yeah, that's it. I I know those names, so I know it had to be before the HD remake. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've got that manual somewhere. I had it some some ages ago. <laughs> um, Pardon me for a moment. I'm going to go see if I have it. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. We're so, down to two. So, so really quick, one of the things very, very early on in uh, Shining Force CD Book 1, as it's called in, in Shining Force CD Gaiden, um, Shining Force Gaiden, One of the things very early on that stood out to me as um, something that we talked about last time on the podcast, uh, neat or interesting story beats, story writing, uh, design, scenarios, stuff like that. Stuff that's just not really the norm uh, and trying to pick those things out. In, in, In this game, you start off very well equipped with all of your characters. I mean, you're, you're coming, you're, you're headed to, to go, you know, take on this battle. And so you're very well equipped and then you shipwreck. And at the start of battle two, you have nothing. You have lost (laughs) everything. And your, um, your advisor, Luke, or no, it's low. Uh, your advisor, low, who is the, the, healer from shiny force one um it, he tells you just hey just just grab stuff around you just pick up whatever you can um <clears throat> and so you're positioned there on the beach by all of this destroyed ship wreckage and every single piece of every single tile of wooden wreckage that you search gives you a weapon whether it's a club or a stick or like a wooden staff or a wooden arrow, it gives you the tools that you need to fight this battle uh, by just rummaging through the wreckage of your ship. That is not something that is typically done in an RPG, tactical or otherwise, ever. So we're talking battle number two now, aren't we? Yeah, I I was pointing it out as as, uh, something that I had completely forgotten about and one of my absolute favorite bits of kind of neat story design um, that yeah, they shipwreck you and then just take away everything. And they're like, cool, here, fight with these like wooden sticks. Um, but but that mechanic or, or that idea translates into the game mechanic of you spending all of your first turns 
searching wreckage near you to get items, and then probably spending your second turns moving your characters around on the sand to give items to the proper character so they can then equip it. Um, and it, it was just so interesting, and it was such a cool way to go from having nothing to, okay, I have the bare minimum tools I need to fight off these goblins. Uh, well, it was uh, great. It gave you that sense of desperation. Yeah. You know, that, oh my gosh, what are we going to do now? We're shipwrecked, and already we have a fight that we have to, we have to, to get through. What are we going to do? And, uh, and it, it's, it's this scrambling to get together and organize and, and try to come together to, to defeat these enemies. I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was amazing. I have a good story about this, actually. Um, I had missed the dialogue that there were weapons on the beach. So I did the whole fight without any weapons at all. You told me this. And, and I won. Yeah, you, you told me that. And I was like, I was like but, but you were right there. You, but they were just right there in front of you. I found the stick and thought it was just more of like a general item for like maybe something you use later in the game to unlock like Oh, you yeah. need a stick to fix this contraption, so I just it's, left it. Yeah, it's, then, it's one of the it's one of the secret promotion items. Yeah. <laughs> well, I knew it wasn't a promotion item, but I thought it would like fix some broken thing later on. Mm, so I just held a on. Good to idea. It. And oh, like the Achilles sword or the yeah. the wooden plank. Exactly. Yeah. So I just held on to it, and mm. I did the whole fight without weapons, figuring that they were test like. Kind of like testing you to be like, okay, get good at regular fighting, and then we'll give you weapons. So man, that'd be brutal. <laughs> I, I I did receive my moron reward in the mail, and it's nice. on my man. <laughs> good, good. I, I'm glad they're quick about that 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 mail system uh, response. <laughs> but well, just as I, a quick update on the uh, secret of mana manual, I do not have it, and now uh, I remember. Um, I actually. I want to say I traded it in some sort of a really good deal because somebody wanted to have a complete secret of mana uh. and it was already pretty expensive by the time they were looking for it and they were able to get everything but the manual and I had it. Uh. And so, uh, I, at this point, I don't even remember what I would have traded it for. And, uh, but that's why I no longer have it. Yeah. Oh, well, it's a bummer. Oh, I'm actually more. nice. Uh, so, so in, in just quickly reviewing the walkthrough for uh, Shining Force Gaiden, um, I'm one battle away from the battle where you get Domingo. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on battle 11. It's the first yeah. battle of chapter 3 where you're fighting in the harbor after your stupid uncle outs you. <laughs> um, I, I do want to say, design-wise, there are a lot of constants in Shining Forest, not not necessarily when it comes to uh, the spells and the items and classes and all those things that are obvious constants, but the design of their battles, their your battle scenarios, uh, have quite a bit of constants in Shining Forest. Like there's almost always a ship battle. Yeah, that is a standard in Shining Force. Um, this particular game not only gives you a ship battle, but also gives you a harbor battle. I love that battle. <laughs> which is really cool, uh, and it divides the force. Oh, you're right. I can see the dots. It is 12. Um, but it divides the force, so it's sort of Shade Abbey-ish. 
Um, but in talking about it literally right now, it reminds me that when you fight, uh, I can't remember his name, uh, the crazy guy with the scimitar. Uh, that's yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's also a harbor battle, and I like didn't even think about that until right now. But but you have a lot of these constants that kind of make a shining force game feel like a shining force game, and in planning war of valana that was something i absolutely thought about um so there there is a ship battle in war of valana uh and i think it's the first battle of chapter four uh is what it's planned out as right now uh there's a couple of town battles maybe just one no no no, there's two there's two battles in inside towns and villages um and and yeah a lot of my very early scenario writing uh just thought about you know, the path of the story and, oh, hey, it'd be cool to do this. And then I could have a ship battle because Shining Force games have ship battles. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's 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 one of those things that I think is really cool to kind of harken back to the the overall scenario design of these games. Well, I think you make a really good point there because um, I think of them the same way. Shining Force games have ship battles, or at least some sort of a battle on the dock. Because technically, I don't know that Shining Force 2 does have a ship battle, but it does have the Kraken. So mm. there's something involving the water. And um, it just so happens that my sprite artist made a wonderful tile set with a ship. As soon as I saw it, I thought, well, here we go. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> this is a no-brainer here. I can't wait. So uh, I, I knew immediately what that meant. But that dock battle in Chapter 3 of Gaiden or uh, of Shining Force CD book one. That's one of my most memorable. That's one of the ones that stuck out. Like if you were, if you were to have asked me about Shining Force CD like two years ago when I wasn't really thinking about it very much and said, uh, well, what was your favorite battle? That's one of the ones that would have come to mind because the, the forces split. Yeah. That's the main reason. It's like you really had to think differently because part of them is on, still on the ship and the other parts on the dock. And that was, it was just a marvelous battle. I, to this day, I, I've played it several times. I always enjoy that one. I, I want to do at least one battle where your party is split. Um, I haven't figured out exactly where it's going to happen, but I definitely want to do it. Um, crap. There was another point that I was going to make. There's some very cool. Um, we'll get get to it when we talk sort of hot GM, but there's some very cool split fights in that game that are really messy up. <laughs> mm, yeah, especially if you lean too heavily onto certain leveling up certain people. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll yeah, can, we'll get there. I can definitely see that. Um, yeah, I I think you're right, uh, Jeremy. There is no actual ship battle in. Shining Force 2, I think the Kraken battle is the thing that's closest, and that, I would say, is quite a bit harder than a ship battle because a ship battle, you tend to have quite a bit of room to move around. Yeah. And the Kraken battle is, like, literally single-tile, you know, up, uh, like, vertical planks and horizontal planks, and then your kind of main mast that you don't really have that much room on because there's a bunch of crates and then the center mast. So you're you're very sporadically spread out in corridors mm -hmm. to try and survive this 
battle, and God, what a hard battle. Yeah, and then there's another one in Final Conflict. Yep. And it's just as, just as interesting. Hmm. I have played Final Conflict to the very end. I, I didn't beat it. Uh, I played it to the last fight, and I was like, I, I don't have the energy to do this right now. And then I just never played it again. But, um, but I do not remember much of it. I will say that. So in, in replaying uh, book one of Shining Force CD, I might – well, and, and in doing this as research for the podcast – uh, I might just continue on and 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 play through all three again. Uh, of course, yeah. To, to. to remember some of that stuff. Oh, the pen goat bridge battle. Bridge battles, I think, are another. That they're definitely another staple of uh, of shining force design. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, what, uh, you got the laser eye in the first one. Right. Well, and that's a that's a horizontal bridge too. Yeah. So that, that's a horizontal bridge, and then in Shining Force Two, you have the Pango Bridge, which is a vertical bridge, but it has a whole bunch of chunks out of it. Right. So it's not just like a whole big wide space that you can move through. Um, I have already uh, a bridge battle in an area called the Fergo Ravine, um, where it's a it's. It's not a big boss battle or anything, but it is a, a two, I think it's two tiles high uh, horizontal bridge that spans this big valley where there's big waterfalls and stuff going down, down into it. Um, <clears throat> I haven't, I've built it. I haven't actually play tested it. I don't know if that battle sucks yet or not. <laughs> that, battle might, that battle might suck. <laughs> might be amazing though. So. That's true. I have one planned. I have, it's the Perilous Bridge. Um, and it's, it's, I have it planned in the, uh, in, I don't know which battle it is, but if I went and looked it up, I could tell you, but I do not have it mapped yet. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not as far as you are in terms of having things mapped out. Uh, I, I will say I do not yet have my ship tile set, but I am eager to make it. Ooh. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't made that yet. I started on the very basics of the seashore town where you catch a ride on that ship. Uh, but I'm, I'm quite a bit away from where that is there's a lot of in between that has to get built so i've got two words fizzle ball fizzle ball um what battle is that is that in yes that's the battle one or two that is battle 15 yep ah with the character that you think is a sorceress the whole time, but then she has like a battle axe. Frabel. I don't know that she's. I don't think she's in the in the battle. No, she's in the. the but the she's the one who I sets have. everything up. Yeah. I always thought it was so weird when I, you finally get to the battle where you fight her, and then she doesn't even have magic. Yeah. She just happens to have like magic damper dampeners. <laughs> yeah. That that fizzle ball though was a really cool spin. Uh, you know, obviously. Nothing like it in the first Shining Force. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really innovative. As our passionate listeners know, I'm not a big magic person, so I didn't realize till halfway through the fight what they were actually doing. Really? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I noticed pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, oh. you guys are big magic users. I, like, I used Yisha, but her movement was slow when I was using her, so 
she never really got to the fight until near the end. And then I was like, oh, what, what's, what's going on? Um, yeah, so I, I have not gotten to this battle yet. Um, cool battle. I'm, 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 I'm a good couple of battles away from this. And I remember it, but not uh, detailed enough to, re- to have remembered what a fizzle ball did. And now that I'm reading this, I'm starting to slightly remember this fight uh i'm i'm very interested to to do it again because yeah i like the idea of having uh because they they basically dampen your magic don't they yeah you can't use magic the way it's not even available wow and i think i want to say that you can try it like it actually goes into the cutscene, and then it just says that they that doesn't work. So you can waste a turn on it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's when I started realizing that mm. I was trying to heal somebody, and it said yeah, no effect. It. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> yep. My question then, and I'll I'll do my own research on this, but I'm curious if uh, that also wastes the MP to cast that spell, even though the spell doesn't work. Does it still trigger the MP? I think I noticed. It does. I remember because I started started healing that um, I was losing the thing, the the points, but nothing was happening. Like my characters weren't getting healed when I was using the heal spell. Hmm. Well, glad you remember that. (laughs) Very interesting. Very interesting design. Yeah. Another. Another Another battle that I liked was um, the very first battle in Chapter 4, and it's the that mountain ring. If you, if, ah, if, if yeah, I'm, lo- if I'm looking at it. that sparks your memory. I fought that battle at a LAN party. And, and so for both, for, <laughs> I've never mentioned this, but uh, I'm a community college teacher. I'm also the faculty advisor for the, the, com- the computer club. And our computer club really is just basically an excuse to have land parties. It's mm-hmm. not really a, a very highly organized uh, student organization, but it also happens to be one of the most active. We have land parties about three times per semester. And um, I pretty frequently bring my little retro gaming station and I'll just play some old game or you know, I'll do multiplayer and bring some, uh, some of the younger generation into some of the older multiplayer games. Um, but I played Shining Force CD that night, and I played that battle number 17. Um, not only did I think it was fun, but the the uh, level of engagement that I had from students who were in their late teens and early 20s, who were used to playing things like, you know, TF2 and Overwatch and, and Fallout, yeah. they were really into this. And it was just so cool to see how huh. invested they were getting into this battle. So... It's like I was playing it and I was making decisions, but everybody else was contributing too. And it was mm. it was specifically this battle number 17. Um, and the fact that there are various paths that you can take to get to the town at the end and the boss and these tiny little gaps in this ring of mountains. Uh, it even like even the terrain itself kind of evokes a crater. Like, yeah, a, I think it's brilliant. It's just it's one of my absolute favorite battles in this. That was a great memory too. Huh? Yeah. No, that's that's super cool. I I did not remember this battle at all, but it is definitely an unorthodox uh, sort of setup. This is the sort of thing Shining Force Two needed more of. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shining Force 2's battle map design uh, was generally pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. It was very large, though, so like it felt like it took a long time to work your way around all the enemies. Yeah, we'll go from one corner to the other and beat the boss. Yep. I'll take I, characters. I actually felt that way about Shining Force 1 more than Shining Force 2. Really? Some of the maps in Shining Force 1 are absolutely gigantic for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, especially I think like chapter six, chapter seven, when you're starting to like, okay, you know, we just have to go over to this, this place over here now and you exit the town and you're in a battle and you know, it's going to be six turns of full movement before you manage to, to get anywhere near somebody that you can attack. Are you Um, talking about battle with Elliot? Uh, the battle with Elliot was definitely way bigger than it needed to be. Um, but no, um, the battle where you make your way to the fortress where Michelle is. Oh yeah, that you have to traverse. You you end you up like from, from the from the east side of the map, or from, excuse me, from the west side of the map yeah. to the east, and then back west again around that like peninsula. Yeah, down down through these mountains. Mm-hmm. Like it, yeah, it was it was just a huge battle, and I'm pretty sure it had land effect. So all of your characters oh, yes. can only move two or three uh, tiles, regardless of their move metric. And yeah, it just—I call those battles slogs. And every <laughs> time I get every time I get to a slog battle, I just I just save and I turn off the game. And then when I come back to it and I'm re-energized and I want to play the game, I'm like, okay, I'll deal with getting through this slog. And then I'll I'll do something else that's fun, um, but I, I I absolutely hate battles like that where it's just like okay I'll spend the next twenty minutes trying to get close enough to enemies to do something, um, and and the other thing with the original games is there you know, um, a lot of the time that you spend in those battles is watching the cursor move around enemies. You're right. And move back and forth very long distances to get between you and an enemy. Um, and there's really no way around that. Uh, so in the Switch version of the Genesis collection, I don't know if either of you have that, um, oh. but they added not only Fast Forward, but Rewind to all games. Wow. Um, and it revolutionized. I actually I forgot I hadn't mentioned this before. Um, it completely changed the way that I played Shining Force 1 because it let me redo anything I wanted. If I went and Max attacked something that had 1 HP and he missed, okay, I'll just rewind. Uh, I don't I, know if I could bring myself to do that. I didn't think My- I could, and <laughs> then I realized how incredibly powerful it was because you are immune to shitty level-ups. um now the the extremely interesting part of this is that i had to learn where the system triggered what information so before before you confirm your attack on an enemy uh no information about that battle is um oh wait no 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 okay it uh for attacks it's before the attack is made um, the the attack is not yet calculated. So if, if Zylo, for instance, goes and goes to hit something and misses, 
I can rewind back to where the dialogue says silo attacks. If I click that button and he hit and he attacks again, it recalculates. So I could I could do that and be like, okay, cool, we hit this time. Um, <laughs> for level ups, if you got a hit and that interaction triggered enough experience to get a level up and your level up was horrible, you had to actually um, rewind all the way out of the entire interaction to the point where you confirmed your attack or spell on those units. Wow. And that was where that was calculated. Because otherwise, um, any, any level of rewind before that point would just produce the exact same result. Super That's interesting. Fascinating. Super interesting. Um, huh. Yeah. If either of you have, have or get a Switch, highly recommend... Um, a, because it's like a nomad. You can just play Genesis games wherever you want. And B, um, yeah, because you can fast forward your way through cursors moving enemies around or long cutscenes or whatever, and you can rewind uh, through very interesting parts of battles. But there were there were scenarios where Bulbaroy would level up and he would get one he would get one HP and that was it. And I'd be like, come on, this is ridiculous. And so I'd rewind and I'd go through it again and he'd get, you know, one HP or one one attack. And so uh, there was one instance where I think I rewound through like eight level ups of him. And then eventually I got to two HP, two attack, two defense and one agility. And I was like, hell yeah. All right. I'm, we're, we're good now. <laughs> I don't have the patience for that. I just take what I get. <laughs> I always have. You know, I've read the only time I've done that is with uh, the Mithril and Shining Force 2. But I know mm. people that will sit there and re-level up every time to get the max they can. I can't do it. If I get a crap level up, I just go. And it, for me, that's just, okay, that's my difficulty level now. Yeah, yeah and that's that's totally it. fair. I think, I'm impressed. <laughs> I think I went through the trouble of it solely because it was the first playthrough where I could. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think that was that was really the main factor. So back to um, Shining Force CD book one, Shining Force Gaiden. If this game had exploration, mm. where do you think it would fall in terms of how much you liked it compared to Shining Force one and two? I would put it um, between Shining Force 1 and Shining Force 2. So Shining Force would be number 1, CD would be number 2, and then Shining Force 2 would be number 3. Yeah, and I, I have that reverse. Shining Force 2's exploration I found far more interesting and rewarding than 1, so I would say it would probably be more, uh, again, in between. I'd, I'd like it better than 1, but not as not as good as as two. I'm not sure, but I it might be my favorite. If it if it had had exploration, I just really like these games, um, especially when you combine both books together. On its That's own, fair. I really wish it had more characters. Mm -hmm. And one of the one of the aspects. I mean, of course, we're talking about a Game Gear game, so we're really looking at limitations of the Game Gear. Um, the fact that you get so many special items in battle 
and that so many of them are repeats, just repeats of what you get in Shining Force One. Um, had there been exploration and had the the uh, those special items been something different, something new, uh, that I think it really had the potential that if they had combined both books of Shining Force CD with exploration and had just a little bit more differentiation, I think it could have been the best of them all. Mm -hmm. That's my thought. <laughs> well, and also doing it that way would have been a really good precursor. I mean, it kind of was a precursor anyway, but doing a, a singular entry with two books to play or even screw it, throw final conflict in there as well. Oh my, <laughs> um, you know, have, have a, a singular game that was all three story sequences. Um, that would have been a great precursor to what we ended up with shining force three, where we had three <laughs> entire games that were, you know, giant story chunks. Almost makes you wonder if that was the kind of the intent with the game gear games. It's very possible. Were they thinking about that really before it was possible? <coughs> hmm. Well, Daniel, your goal now is to get the some of the original Shining Force developers on our podcast. Yep. Hey, when that's that... gonna happen. Hey, we're we're five stars. You can do yeah, whatever you want. Exactly. We are. We have um, four subscribers, so <laughs> that that's really what gets Sega's attention. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We might be able to get someone. Uh, is it Camelot? Is that the other company? <laughs> yeah, Cam Sonic, uh, Sonic Software Planning. Yeah, we might be able to get some Camelot people on here. <laughs> Strike while the iron is hot. Do they still exist? No, Sonic Software Planning does not no, exist don't. anymore. That's why they might be willing to come on to like a top seventeen thousand <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh. So if you're out there and you're listening, which I have to assume you are since we're so highly rated, um, hit us up. You can come on anytime. <laughs> oh, that's interesting to note. Uh, before Takahashi worked on Shining in the Darkness as a writer and went on to do all the Shining Force games, all of them, he was the executive producer on Dragon Warrior 2. Really? Yeah. I'm very through a playthrough on that. And then uh, then he did Mario Golf and Mario Tennis, and then the Golden Sun games. And then yeah, he I went about the Golden Sun games, yeah. And th yeah, and then he went back to Mario Golf and Mario Tennis. And that's where he's been... Oh, he's still lead designer and producer of the Mario Tennis games as of last year. Dragon Quest II. I've got a whole new respect for that. Very Shining interesting. has to be better than Mario Tennis. <laughs> That's true. Like on so on some level, there there has to be more glory in creating Shining Force than Mario Tennis. Um, I think I think what we really need is we need a a Shining Force only Smash game. <laughs> <laughs> we need we need Shining Smash. I, I, I think if that's going to happen, that's that's something you and I are going to have to, that's, to, to yeah. do on our own. <laughs> yep. yep, that's a hundred percent only going to happen if we do it. <laughs> I, well, oh, that'd be fun. Future ideas, though. You know, let's, we'll have to get it. You know, it would be a great two D game. Mm. <laughs> or a Flash game in this case. <laughs> Flash is the devil. I already, I already have ideas. <laughs> For what I would do design-wise for this game, that's never going to happen. Never say never. That's true. But like, like your mage units, you could use face buttons for the different spells. 
<laughs> and, and and the longer you hold it down, it'll increase in spellcast level. <laughs> and the little uh, the little icons show up in the corner with the little levels. You know the yeah. four segments. Yeah, and then Max would have not only the sword of light and the sword of darkness, but he would have the no the no no breaker. The uh, his his ultimate would be combining them for a chaos breaker attack. <laughs> oh, too good. Here too we good. go. It begins. <laughs> <clears throat> all right all back right to, back to Gaiden. Uh, um, we're actually at about our hour mark so how about we okay. cut it off there and maybe we can do a part two episode if we have more i i don't know that i necessarily have much more to say uh just that shining force cd typically is one of the games where if I haven't talked about it or played it for a while, I kind of forget that it exists, and then I'm very pleasantly surprised when I go back to play it and remember how amazing it is, um, which is really exactly what happened here. I, I was added to the Shining Force podcast, and we're talking about stuff, and somebody brought Shining Force CD, and I was like, holy crap, I forgot that that exists. What a cool game. Really remembering nothing about it. And then, you know, I started up a game on book one for research for this. Uh, and I was just blown away at how much, A, how much I'd completely forgotten about it. And, and B, just how much great design went into this game, not only in the form that I was playing it, but as a, as a Game Gear scenario tactical RPG. Yeah, um, and that's actually, um, I, I'd kind of like to address that since I've been playing the Game Gear version. Right. So for, for those who don't know, Gaiden, the the Game Gear version, was never released in the U.S. And because it was released on the Sega CD in the U.S., there's never even been a fan translation like there has been for Final Conflict. Uh, Final Conflict has never been released in the U.S. Yes. Sword of Hagia had an official release in the U.S. So Gaiden is really the only one of these games that has neither had a U.S. release or had a fan translation. And we're talking the Game Gear version. Right. So I sort of took it upon myself to prepare for this podcast by actually playing the Japanese version of the Game Gear game of Gaiden. So I, I to this day, I, for, for, uh, since the last podcast, I've had a Katakana chart open on my phone mm -hmm. constantly. I've never closed the tab because um, just enough of the game is uh, uses the katakana alphabet that it's playable now dialogue no chance yeah but i still <laughs> because i've played the say uh, shining force cd I, I know what's going on um but in as far as navigating menus and purchasing items almost everything is in katakana so you can do some translation there um you know because you you get something like hando akusu for hand axe right <laughs> you know um, yep. and, and that's that was a big downside of there being no icons for any of the items. That that was a little bit of a shock to me. Um, but anyway, just playing the game itself, I really wish I'd have had a Game Gear back then. I would have loved this so much, and I would have probably rubbed it in the faces of my Game Boy playing friends. Um, and and the, I guess this taps into the the big Sega versus Nintendo wars of, of that era, you know, the Sega does what Nintendo don't. Yeah. <laughs> and, 
in yeah. the commercial where the kid playing the Game Boy hits himself over the head with a dead squirrel so that he sees it in color. Just classic stuff. Um, <laughs> I have to give it to the, the Shining Force developers on the Game Gear. They did a phenomenal job. The graphics are fantastic. And some of them are obvious straight sprite rips from Shining Force 1. Yep. Like, um, Roos is Gort. Yep. Uh, it is Gort's sprite just downscaled. Yeah, we'd, we'd done some comparisons um, uh, just it, it, between us and chat, um, looking at the... I, I think it was when you were streaming, actually. I think so, too, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just pulled up Spriter's resource and was going through the characters and like, okay, Wendy is literally unpromoted Tao. Yep, um, Yeah, and, and I mean, it makes sense. Shade is nothing but Hans. Yeah, exactly. it makes sense. You you take the assets you have, you smush them down to the size that'll work, you clean them up a little bit, you throw them in there. And now you know how they did it in five months. Yeah, and that's 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 also very fair. Mm -hmm. um, but, they, but they made it work. I would have been so happy playing this on a Game Gear, even without exploration. I, I think I would have, I, I would have understood even then. Yeah, I get it. It's a handheld. We can't explore towns and dungeons. It doesn't matter. This is great. Yeah, I, I, I can echo that. I, I loved it. Um, the probably three playthroughs I did on an actual Game Gear, um, back, back in the day. I mean, that was maybe middle school for me. Um, it probably probably earlier, but um, I, one one thing to note about the Game Gear since since you never had one, uh, and and talking about that Sega does what Nintendo don't. Um, the Game Boy itself, the Dot Matrix Game Boy, was monochromatic, mm -hmm. not backlit, very big, uh, four I think four AA batteries. The Game Gear was six, I believe, AA batteries, but was in color, was backlit, and had a better sound chip. Um, so that, that was another huge reason that we went Game Gears instead of Game Boys. Granted, we still had a Game Boy, uh, and we were still Game Boy players, for sure, um, but the Game Gear was backlit. We could play it all night long in the car driving around yeah. the U.S. as long as the batteries worked because we didn't have to worry about light as a source. So, um, that was, that was, uh, another huge difference between the two consoles. Yeah. In terms of raw technology, the game gear really did outperform, uh, the game boy, but it's, man, the game boy could go for 30 hours and the game gear was like three to five yep. and, and you're holding it out the window of your car to cool them off. Yep. Yep. I'm not going to forget that now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I also, in, in talking about Final Conflict, and I, I had the, the list of Takahashi's games up, um, I clicked on it. Final Conflict was actually ported to the Nintendo 3DS Virtual Console in Japan in 2014. Twice? Five years ago, Final Conflict was released on a mobile virtual console. That is insane. <laughs> so, on the 3DS... But yes. virtual console. Japanese virtual console only. Uh, yeah. 3DS virtual console, January 15th, 2014. Now, by ported, you just mean a direct port of the Game Gear version, not an enhanced remake. As far as I'm aware. 
that would appear what happened yeah so it is it is just the it's the game gear version yeah 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 um i'm okay because i, I was imagined... just about ready to just buy that because i play it <laughs> i'd play an enhanced remake today even if oh, i could read it same 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 no doubt. um yeah it looks like uh shiny force gaiden uh japanese 3ds virtual console 2013 uh, looks like they popped all three games out on Virtual Console. That would make sense. Uh, right around their 20-year anniversaries. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, that's super cool. Oh, actually, uh, Sword of Hajaya hit the uh, North America Virtual Console as well. So speaking of Sword of Hajaya, is that where we're going next? Gentlemen? Yeah. That's going to be the next game. Uh, yeah, I, I think it is. I need to I need to somehow find time to finish up um, book one, but then I'll, I'll jump right into book two. I loved this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, so in, in talking about this, I played Sword of Hajaya when it came out. And so... Which is so um, cool. I did not have any idea that it was part two of a story. <laughs> so Just when like Shining... the American players of Shining Force 3 yeah. realized that they were only playing part one of three. Um, so when Shining Force CD came out, there was a whole other Shining Force game that I knew nothing about. And so playing book one on Shining Force CD was always, I was always more drawn to book one because it was, it was the one that I had never had and didn't even know it existed. Um, I'm sure, uh, Jeremy, it was similar to you finding out that Shining Force 2 existed so many years after you'd played Shining Force 1. Um, it was I think more that like was... that I found out Shining Force CD existed long after the Sega. Because we, we did play Shining Force 2 not long after it was released. Oh, okay. okay. It was CD that, that I didn't realize, wait a minute, there were Game Gear games this was based on? Uh, okay, maybe maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. I think um, it was <laughs> that it might have been you. I didn't find them out until later, so it was yeah. by me. Yeah. Um, but so so you know, when my brother got Shining Force CD, I was like, Oh, there's a new Shining Force game, and he was like, No, it's just Game Gear games. And I was like, But there was only one of those. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and so I, I was always by that point drawn more to book one, but uh I mean Shining Force uh sort of Hajaya is just it has such interesting stuff going on in it and yeah i mean i i played it i played it when i was like 10 so um all right well that'll be that will be our big market tease for our next episode to keep the people in expense actually um that won't be the next episode our passionate listeners are going to hear we have um a special little side episode with sword shop a guy den Uh, episode uh, no, just sort of a... Shining general... Pod Gaiden? Yes, yes. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, actually. With uh, Sword Chomp from, from Twitter. Awesome. I know so Sword That's Chomp. super cool. Yeah. That came out really, really well. And I've been wanting to drop it for a while. It just keeps slipping my brain. Yeah, things well, have been... I look forward to that. Things have been real busy lately. Yeah, it's been... Really crazy lately. Yeah, agree. I think, think we're getting to a point where we can release that episode. We'll get this one out, and then we'll uh, work on the next one. Whenever we get to that. 
So keep your eyes open for more shining force, shining pod, shining pod, shining pod <laughs> content in your future. And remember to rate and subscribe. Awesome. Can't wait. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks for having it's me. It's a pleasure. Talk again soon. Thank you.